I, I'm not going to keep you long. I really ain't. I, I don't really have to because the Lord has really, really done a great work in here this morning. And, and now, and now it, it, it kind of took the pressure off me to kind of speak what the Lord had put on my heart because it's a little bit different and it's a little bit off the beaten Sunday morning path, but I had to be obedient uh, unto the Lord. And, and just by him moving and touching and this the song service that we have, it just makes it that much easier this morning. I want to I ask you a question before I read this passage to you. How many of you ever feel second rate or, or less than or worthless or even, even condemned, feel like uh, I'm just not, just not where I need to be or not adding up? It's just not all coming together. I, I really got something on my heart. Uh, out of this for you this morning. And I want to talk to you, before I even read the story, I want to talk to you about three areas this morning. Uh, I want to talk to you about condemnation, conviction, and correction. Because I, I feel like there's a lot of, sometimes a lot of confusion, uh, uh, even in our own life, sometimes our own personal life, that we sometimes get them a lot of that confused and are not really even sure what's going on. And uh, so I want to read you this story. I'm not, I'm not going to really use the story like we do most of the time as a word-for-word kind of thing to, to break it down and, and to bring this. But there's, there's a couple things in this story that, that I really want you to see. And it's a familiar story if you're familiar with uh, the Bible. <laughs> John 8, John 8, I, I, I preached on this story. This is, this is the portion of the bread of life that when you read this story, you break this portion of bread, it really smells fully enriched with grace. There is so much grace in this portion of Scripture. How many loves grace? Do you love grace? Do you love to smell grace? It's a different smell. It's a much different smell. Grace just smells better. Amen. But John 8, starting with verse 1, I want to read the first 11 verses, and then, uh, and then we'll pray, and then we'll just share just a couple things with you. John 8, uh, verse 1. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning, uh, he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him as he sat down and he taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us, and this is true, Deuteronomy, I think 22 maybe, 22 and 22 maybe, and commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down uh, with his finger. Heard many many messages on what he wrote. Don't really going to address. Not really going to address that this morning. But he stooped down and 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 he he took his finger and he wrote on the ground as though he didn't hear them. Now I'm, I'm familiar with acting like I don't hear you. So so they so. Say amen, Cindy Sarver. Where are you? Yeah, yeah. I don't even have to write in the ground back like I don't hear you. So they, so that when they continued asking him, sometimes they just won't leave you alone. You know, you're like, you really don't want the answer to this. You really don't want what's coming here. But they keep on because they think they do. They think they do. He lifted up himself and he said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone. 
and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and he saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those that accused her? Where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And listen, listen to what she said. She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said, Boy, this is where the grace just. Jesus said unto her, Neither do I, neither do I condemn thee. If anybody could have, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Amen. 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 It's just rich. It's just, can you smell it now? Can you smell the grace? Can you smell the grace? Let's ask the Lord to bless our time. Father, I do. I love you and I praise you. Bless your word this morning, dear God. Help me just to deliver it as you've put it in my heart, dear God. That's true. That's true under your character. That's true under your word. That's true for eternity, dear God. Bless it. Use it today. Encourage those with it today. I love you. I praise you. I honor you. Thank you for all your presence, even in this place this morning. We'll bless your name. It's all for the glory, all for your glory, all for your praise. In Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Lift up a voice. Shout hallelujah. Yes. 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 Amen. 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 Uh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh, I, I, I believe that in this life, uh, uh, Jesus, in this life, I'm talking about in this, Jesus is not really looking for an opportunity to condemn. I want you to think about that a minute. Because we act like sometimes that he, he's just like ready to get me at the next. Here's what I'd like to say out of that. You know what? If he's looking for, he's already had so many opportunities. Think about that. So many. If he really wants to condemn, uh, we've all been caught in the very act. Somewhere, something, somehow, something, whether it was mind, action, words, whatever, but we've all been caught. He's had plenty of opportunity already. But here's, here's what I believe. I believe Jesus, this is, this, is, this is just a picture of the entirety of his life. This is a picture of, of what he desires to do even in this church age that we live in. It's a picture. It's an example of what he's all about. Jesus, Jesus goes out of his way not, not to condemn because like I said, that would be easy. There's no one in here that he couldn't pick apart this morning. I know we think we got it going on pretty good, but Jesus could pick us apart if he really needed opportunity to condemn. But he goes out of his way not to condemn, but he goes out of his way to touch and to bless and, and to bring restoration that's what he was trying to do. He was trying to restore. Even, even in this scene, even here, he goes out of his way. And that the Bible is full. His, the gospel is full of him always moving like that. They, they was, when, when there's a Samaritan woman sitting on a well, sitting on a well who didn't quite measure up to culture standard or their standard at that time, Jesus went out of his way to go to the well. What? To not, not for opportunity to say, you know what, you've, had, you've already had five husbands and the one you're living with now is not. He didn't, that was not the whole point. He went out of his way to restore. 
He went out of his way to offer water to which she would not thirst again. That's what he was after. Not to, if he wanted to condemn, he could have condemned. But he wanted to offer living water. He lived in water. He, he would go out of his way for, 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 for someone who's, who was known as a sinful woman of the city because of her reputation or what have you. But he would go out of his way. I want you to get that this morning. I really want you to see that was his whole heart. Whether it was a leper, whether it was a woman with the issue of blood, whether it was a tax collector or a publican, or on and on and on, these misfits, outcast, disgraced, disgrace, second rate, third class, back row, you don't belong here. He would go out of his way to touch, to bless, to restore. Amen. That was his heart. That's what he was about. There's, a, there's an old scripture in Isaiah 54, verse 4, that I feel like prophesied this same role. Where he says, fear not, Isaiah, for thou shalt not be ashamed. When he's, he's, he's future prophesying even about the house of Israel. Neither, neither, neither be thou confounded, for thou shalt not be put to shame. For thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth. And thou shalt not remember the reproach even of your widowhood anymore. He said, it's not the kind, you don't, you're not going to remember the condemnation. You're not going to remember where you come short after Christ comes into your life. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you something. The devil, the devil was a lie in the beginning and he's still a lie. He's still the author of it. He's still the father of it. But I want you to think about this a minute. I want you to think about this a minute. Jesus says he didn't come. To condemn. Ain't that what he says? He, he brings that out in, in some scripture we'll talk about here in a minute. But he says he didn't come to c- condemn. And I got to thinking, I got to think about all the, really there's two major places that condemnation comes from. Do you realize that? Two, two major places. Of course, we know one right off the bat. Most everybody knows it, pretty familiar. And, and, and that's Satan. We know that according to Revelation 12 and 10, that he is the accuser of the brethren that stands day and night to accuse. To bring out, he looks for opportunity. He's the one who tempts you to do it. And then after you did it, stands back and says, look at you. Look what you did, you big dummy. You you did that. He tempts us and then then accuses us for doing it. So so that's pretty obvious. But but, but, but the second place place that it comes in, and it might be multiple places, but it comes from his, his sinful heart. I want you to get that. Condemnation, it, it comes, from, it comes from, from Satan, the accuser of the brethren, but it also comes from sinful hearts. Think about it. We read this scripture uh, last week, but we'll touch it here in just a minute again. But think about, think about John, John 3, John 3 and 16, the greatest love scripture, the greatest salvation scripture. I've often said these, these three scriptures I'm going to read you this morning is really the mini Bible. It's you, it just sums up everything. You get these three. If you, if, you, if you can't get but these three, you've got it. You're plenty good. I'm serious. Now, I, I encourage you to go on and get the rest. But I'm just saying, if this is the only three you got, you've got the, the, little, mini, the little mini King James all in your heart. 
But listen, listen to what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then verse 17, for God sent not his son into the world. Here it is. He did, that's not what he come for. He come, he come that you might have eternal life. He didn't come that you would that, that be condemned the world. He didn't come for that. But, but that through him might be saved. And in verse 18, I want you to say, he that believeth on him is not condemned. Somebody say that. I'm not condemned. If you believe this morning, I want to tell you, I don't care what you hear, what you feel, what, what voices come. You're not condemned this morning. You're not. No, no. But, but he that believeth not, there's the key. Now, now here, here's the reason I want to bring that up. Because he that believeth not is, 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 not, not believe, is, is already condemned. Because he hath not believed in the name, tying us back even to, to John 3 and 16, to the begotten, the only begotten. Tying it all the way back here. He that believes not. So here's what I'd like to say. Some, sometimes, sometimes that voice of condemnation is coming out of an unbelieving heart. I want to tell you, I, I know the weight of that. I know the, the, the voice of that. I know the, the strength of that. When, when we have not put our trust in him, when we have rejected, when we've not believed on his work. How many know this morning that believing on his work, believing on what he did, believing on his birth and his resurrection, the, the work at Calvary, the sacrifice, when we believe in that, when we believe in that, we put our faith in that, that's believing. That's being in Christ Jesus. That's being in Christ Jesus. And, and, and to them, to them, you're not, you, you, you don't get that voice of condemnation. But when we don't believe, that's what I want you to get that because then we're going to move on. But when you don't believe, there is the voice of condemnation. I, I, I hear it, used to hear it all the time when I didn't believe. I knew it. It didn't come like that. Well, you're condemned. No, it come like you're going to hell. And I go, I know. I know. You're damned. And I go, yeah, I know. You're in big trouble. Yeah, I know. You need to straighten up. Yeah, I know. You need to get this right. Yeah, I know. You ought not act like that. Yeah, I know. All kind of voices of condemnation. You're really missing it. You're really, you're really missing it bad. Yeah, I know. But it was under, it was under, under unbelief, because I had not believed, and the voice, the voice would come because of my sinful heart. My sinful heart, it would come. I, I like this other place too. This other place that sometimes uh, uh, Scripture talks about. Now, sometimes after we believe, and this is what we deal with a lot of times as believers. When you're a believer, sometimes you still hear the voice that you're condemned. You still hear the voice. Well, well I, I'm, I'm second class. You still hear the voice, I'm a loser. You still hear the voice, I'm not saved. You still hear the voice uh, that, uh, that I'm, I'm, not, I'm not God. You hear all kind of voice. But, but here's, here's the thing. That comes out of a sinful heart too. But here's what I want to show you. We read this last week. 1 John, 1 John 3, 20. 1 John 3, 20. This is what it says. If our heart condemns us though, God's greater than our heart. God's greater than our heart. And he knoweth. He knoweth all things. I want you to get that. Out of my weak heart sometimes. Sometimes my weak heart says, you're, you're worthless. My weak heart sometimes says, you're not saved. My weak heart will tell me, if you were saved, you wouldn't have thought that. You wouldn't have done that. Sometimes I ain't, I ain't always nice as I ought to be. And you, 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 you wouldn't have been like that if you was really saved. My weak heart tells me, 
You, you wouldn't you have you acted like that. You wouldn't have said that. My weak heart does me that way. But I, I'm glad this morning. I've learned. That's the power of knowing Scripture. That's the power of, of knowing His Word. Because I've learned over the years that, that it, it's just a weak heart. And, and I've learned as a believer that if my heart con- condemns me and, and, and He gives me that kind of verdict, I've learned, I've learned there's something greater. There's a greater, there's something greater than my heart. And it's called God. It's called God in His Word. Something greater this morning. If you're sitting there this morning and you've believed, and you've put your faith and your trust in what Christ did at Calvary, truly, truly, I'm going to tell you something this morning. Even if your heart does, there's something greater, and it's called God. He says, he, he overrules the verdict. I say, I say I can't, and he says you can. The devil even comes with those half-baked sermons, and he still comes, and he helps me finish them. When he says you can't do nothing, and I said, yeah, but with, with him I can do all things. He, can, he helps us finish. He helps us finish this morning. Amen. I believe that with all my heart. I'm thankful this morning. There's something yet greater. Listen, listen what Romans 8.1, most of y'all know this scripture, but Romans 8.1 says there is therefore now. Remember, this is Paul was laboring in chapter 7 over the sin issue, over this battle, this struggle. You know, the one like we have sometimes that you, maybe you don't tell everybody about, but Paul was brave enough to go on and, and tell it when he went, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this old wretched body, this old sin body? Who's going who's to deliver me? And he thought, oh, I thank God. Christ Jesus, that's who, that's who. But then he comes, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that which are in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, now, now there's none. None. As a believer this morning, I want you to hear something. As a believer, there is, there's, no, there's no condemnation. I want you to get that. Because we don't believe that most of the time. We think. As Brother Angle was talking a little bit Wednesday night, if we think if we miss it one time, the whole world has collapsed on us. Our whole walk has collapsed. God's left us. No! You need to get God's word. If you're a believer this morning, now there's no condemnation. Now, to them that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. I want to throw this in. He says, and it goes on, and I want, I want some of you, maybe you've, you, you've studied this out or whatever, but in the original text, in the original manuscript, in the original Bible, Greek Bible, in the original words, that last part was not in there. I don't know if y'all realize that or not. The last part where it says, who walk not after the flesh, but that, that was added. It really was. In the original, it stopped right there, who which are, it was just the end of it. And here's what I believe. I believe zealous, well-meaning men, sometimes like ourselves, who want to protect justification by faith and don't want to give license to, to sinful men. Thought, you know what? We need to help God. We need to provide something for God here that will keep grace safe. But God didn't need that. 
There's been so many times in my life I thought, you know what, I need to preach this and I'm going to have to protect God's grace here. Preach it, preach it beyond even what Jesus would have preached it. Zealous, well-meaning. I've preached some things sometimes that were too far. Let me just say it. Let me just say it like this. I have preached my share of condemnation. I have. I, I, I know how to preach condemnation. I'm probably, I am good. I am better at preaching condemnation than I am grace. It's easier. It's so much easier to preach condemnation. But it's not anything good in it. There's nothing but death. Death. No life. No life. When you, when you preach it the way the Lord wants to preach, it's life. You're preaching life. Life to, to those that hear. Life to the hearer. But man's always struggled thinking, you know what, we, we might be going a little bit far with this. You know, maybe, maybe. But no, no, it's exactly the way the word should have been. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, period. 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 Amen. Amen. In the last place sometimes where condemnation come from, we see it in the text. And it was from religion. Religious factions, religious bodies, religious people, religious groups. Amen. Lord, at at the groups. Lord, at the organizations, the churches. Lord, at the establishments. Lord, at the cliques that's brought condemnation. Come on, somebody. Amen. I'm going somewhere. Somebody said, I wish you'd hurry up and get there. Amen. 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 But they, they they brung her. And their voice, their voice was a condemning one. But here's, here's the part where I want to kind of break off and, and, and even bring it to a close, believe it or not. Well, not quite a close, but getting there, getting there, getting there. You know, here, here's what I've learned. Here's what I've learned about condemnation and conviction and correction. It, it, sometimes it's hard, it's hard to, 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 to distinguish. As a believer, it's hard to sometimes distinguish even what's going on. What's going on in my life. Sometimes it feels like God is against me. Sometimes it feels like God's just being hard. Sometimes it feels like I'm not saved. Sometimes it feels like God's really come against me and he's left me and he's not even with me now. And, and I, I'm not even a part of the camp. I don't, I don't feel blessed anymore. It, sometimes it's so hard. But you know what? There are some big differences. There's some very big distinguishing marks of how how it's different. Amen. Amen. I I, I see see many things. You know what? Condemnation leaves us leaves us always. Listen to this. Always in the dark. Always. I want you to get that because that's condemnation. It it always leaves us in the dark, unsure, unclear. And see, conviction is nothing like that because sometimes, sometimes conviction it comes, it comes in a sharp and, and a swift way, and, and, it, and it even it even brings feeling. How many know that it's good to have godly guilt? There's nothing wrong with that. That's powerful. That's good. That leads to repentance. That leads to life. 
Life that doesn't even, you don't never have to say you're sorry for again. But, but sometimes, sometimes, sometimes there's this other form where it is condemnation and it leaves us in this, this darkness. It leaves us in a, if you will, a, a fog and, and it really just drives a wedge between us and God. Between us and God and you and others separating, pulling you apart. That's one way I know for sure when it's condemnation. If it's, if it's not, not pointing me back to Christ, back to grace, back to life, back to his source. I know, I know then what it is. Because if it's condemnation, you're left in this not even knowing what, what to do. I'm in this haze. I'm not even sure what to do. I'm not sure even what is next. Not sure even where I'm at, what's going to happen next, where, where to go next. Amen. But see, conviction, conviction don't leave you in the dark. It brings light. So much light. As a matter of fact, I've learned this about conviction. Conviction, conviction is very specific. Where condemnation just says you're a loser. It does. Yeah, condemnation does that. You're just a loser. But, but conviction, it says, you know what, you need to get a little of this right in your life. And it points it out. And you don't have to guess. There's clarity. You know exactly what it is you need to address. You know exactly. Matter of fact, it might be something crazy. It might be something simple. You might have been watching something on TV and something. It was a little immoral or it was a little bit off over the top or whatever. And the Holy Ghost, the conviction will come and say, you know what? You, you don't need to watch that no more. You don't need to hear that no more. You don't need to see that no more. It's specific. Condemnation will come while you're doing that and say, you're just such a big loser. You ain't even saved. It's a big difference. It's huge as it comes and tries to come into our life. Condemnation causes you to wallow in despair, self-pity. It's, it's that dark thing about it. But, but, but conviction leads right to the center of God. Every time, every time, leads you to go back closer to God. You don't try to hide with your sin. You're not like Adam and Eve, those that first sinned and not knowing what to do, but just hid in the bushes, not sure. Oh, no, but conviction comes in. You go straight to Christ. Straight. Straight to him. Straight to where he's at, in, in his midst. But I like that part, where it's specific. I, I thought about the, the old scripture where David, you remember where David cut the, him or cut the corner off of Saul's or the robe, I reckon. Cut the corner off his robe. And the Bible says that his heart smote him for cutting that. It was specific. It wasn't condemnation, but it was specific. That this, you know what? Uh, it was conviction. Strong. Amen. 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 Condemnation is always a lie in the believer's life. Don't you hear that? Always. Condemnation is always a lie if you're a believer. Always. Amen. 
according to Scripture. Amen. Amen. He's got a voice like Job's wife. Curse God and die. That's what condemnation sounds like. You think there's no hope. There's no hope of change. See, there's a big difference. Because, because conviction, it tells you, man, there's all kinds of hope right here. It points you to where there's, where, where there's restitution and there's restoration. And there's so much hope because God's going to change your life. Yes, maybe this is a miss in my life, but, but conviction says we're going to deal with this. Repentance is going to come. And God's going to change your life. Do you believe that this morning? He's going to change my life. He's going to totally do things in a different way in my life. Amen. Condemnation will steal your joy. Steal the peace. Steal every aspect of salvation, of it all, every part of it. I, I, believe, I believe it's like, I thought about this, and maybe this is a bad analogy, but it's the only one I can think of. I believe condemnation is like spiritual waterboarding. Satan using the spiritual waterboarding. And what he does, he, he tries to drown you on your own sins. He just, he just keeps, keeps drowning you in you. He's always tried that. There's an Old Testament story in Zechariah chapter 3 where that you see that. And you, you, see, you see him standing there in Zechariah 3. Hey, KK, Zechariah 3. Zechariah 3, I want to read this to you. He says, and he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, the Lord rebuke thee, O Satan, even the Lord that has chosen to rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy, filthy garments and stood before the angel. And I'm just going to go to verse 4. And he answered and he spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with a change of remnant. Satan stood trying to just choke him on his own sin, just to shove his own sin, like waterboarding, drowning him. How many of you ever felt that analogy? Felt like you was drowning on your own faults. Your own errors, your own mistakes, your own shortcomings. Say amen. 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 That's another big difference. There's just so many differences, and, and I ain't got time to talk about them all, but there's so many differences because conviction leaves us so much, so much more hopeful, so much more knowing that there's something better. That was the message I heard the day I got saved or the, day, the days I began to ponder salvation. I had been hearing the voice of condemnation my entire life. And it was a true voice at that time because I didn't believe. And I was already under condemnation. I was already damned. I was lost. But the message I heard that come with conviction was there is a hopeful situation for something better. For something more, a better way. There is a way to go forward in this place that I'm at. 
There is a way to, to move beyond here. There is, you can't, it's the total opposite. It's high definition. It's, it's powerful. Amen. Amen. Which leads us to the last part that I, I want to throw in because I feel, I told you, I told you it was going to be just a little different, but I just have to obey the Lord as of what the Lord gives me. But, but the last part is this because here's what I've learned. A lot of times, of course, you determine that this is conviction, maybe, distinguishing it from condemnation. But here's what I've learned. If you are a child of the Lord, if you are a child of God, what, what does the Lord do? What, 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 does, can, what does God do when, when his, children, his children don't listen to conviction? He keeps convicting them, telling them, urging us, urging us, urging us to lay aside the weight and the besetting sins that do just keep pulling us down in this journey that we're on. They keep besetting us. They keep making us fall. They, they keep us under all the time. What does God do? I can tell you what he does. The same scripture in Hebrews 12, a few verses after what I just quoted to you. He says, have you forgotten the exhortation which, which speaketh unto you as unto children? My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Listen, listen, for whom the Lord loveth, he chastens, and he scourges every son whom he receives. What does the Lord do? No, he's not condemning anyone. But, but when we do not lay aside those things that do easily beset us, the weights and the sin, there is correction. And here's what I've learned. A lot of times that correction sure feels like condemnation. It sure feels like God is against me. It sure feels like God has come against me. How many know this morning? How many know this morning that, that He loves us so much that you know, we're no longer condemned, but He loves us as a Father, and He loves us enough to correct us. He loves us enough to convict. And when the conviction don't work, sometimes He uses the leverage of the consequences of what our life is. He allows sin to have its way, if you will, and the consequences thereof. And it's not condemnation. It's not. It's God correcting. It's God correcting. It's God working. It's God still moving in our life. It's God having mercy on us. That day that Jesus bent down in the dirt with that lady, that was mercy triumphant over justice that day, over judgment. How in the world? And he's the only one that could have done that. Nobody else could do what he did there that day. Because the truth is, it did deserve judgment. The word was right. The religious group was right. Those that condemned were right. That's why sometimes it's so hard. Sometimes we are condemned by the word. Come on, sometimes it's the Old Testament, some of that Old Testament stuff, or even some new, will condemn. And he bent down. He's the only one that day. And I, and I too, have speculated sometimes what he might have wrote in the dirt that day. And, and I've heard all the other preachings and all the other things. But I believe that day, I believe that day is possible. I don't know this. This is just, this is just me. I believe that day he might have wrote Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, 5 and 6. Because this is what made it possible. This is why he could do this. 
This is why he could not condemn. And that, this is how mercy could triumph that day over judgment. Because, because he could, he wrote, I, I don't know that he wrote this, but this is the, one of the reasons he was able to do that. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. The Lord hath laid on him all the iniquity of us all. Every bit of That's why he could stand there that day and say, neither do I condemn thee. You know why? Because I'm going to pay for this. That's why this morning, if you're sitting here, there's no condemnation. You know why? Because he said, I'm going to pay for this. You're sitting here in your situation. He says, no, I paid for this. I'm going to do it. That's how he could say. That's how he could say, more or less, man, you're just freely forgiven. You're just freely forgiven. Yeah, I know he says, go and sin no more. But if it had not been for the forgiveness, she could have never bought into that. Had, had not she heard those words like that, and, and that I don't condemn thee either, she could have never bought. I'm going to tell you something. Here's what I'm Forgiveness fuels change. When you really know you've been forgiven, when you know you've been forgiven, it fuels transformation, and it fuels the change that we need. Yes. Yes. It does it. I want to close with this last scripture this morning, and y'all can even come on if you want. I want to close with this rapture, last, I was going to say this rapture scripture. That'd be good, won't it? This is the last one. Y'all ready? I just got revelation. This is the rapture scripture. When I read this, you get lined up with it because I think we might be going out of here. Hey, Amen. I got our attention anyway, didn't it? Got my attention, and I'm the one trying to preach it. Amen. Amen. Uh, turn, turn, turn to Psalms 32, if you can, Taylor. Psalms 32. Listen, listen to what the word says. I think this brings it out. The conclusion just brings the summary to all. He said, "Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord imputeth no iniquity, whose spirit there is no guile." And listen. This is, what David, this, is, this is what David did. He, he tried to keep it back. This is the fight. This is the battle that goes on a lot of times. David was under great conviction. Not condemnation, but conviction. He tried to keep it back. But listen, when I kept silent, when I didn't come to you with it, when I didn't deal with you, he said, my bones waxed old through, through my roaring all day long. For day and night, thy hand, correction, chastisement, discipline, was on me. My moisture, it, it turned into the, like the drought of, just dried up. Selah, I acknowledge my sin unto thee. And my iniquity have I not hid. 
He said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. That glory. Glory. Thank you, Lord. And that's what, that's what God was all about, even in, in that particular story. It, was, it wasn't about condemning David. He could have condemned David easy. But David had committed adultery. David had went so far and even murdered. God wanted restoration. He wanted a restoring. He wanted, he wanted him to come back. He wanted to bring him back. Amen. I want to close with this thought this morning. I want to close with this, with just this idea as we get ready to come pray. And I don't know, but if you're here this morning, if you're here this morning, you're under condemnation. You feel that. You feel like I'm just, I'm just. But let me ask you this: Do you believe? Do you believe? That's where it starts. Because if you believe, that should end it right there. And if you don't believe, there is condemnation. There is heaven. There is, you do feel that. And this morning, I would, I would urge you this morning, if you've not ever believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and His work, believed Him to cover your life, not put your faith, you've not ever put your faith in what He's did. Maybe, maybe, maybe you've never trusted in that way. Well, you're going to feel that. And I would encourage you this morning to come up here. We get ready to worship, praise, to pray. Come and just tell the Lord, man, I believe. I believe. I believe that you're all who you are and everything that this word says you are. Or maybe, maybe you're out there this morning in your heart. Well, I want to tell you what, God's greater. Your heart keeps telling you you're you're no good. Well, I'm going to tell you what, God's greater. God's greater. He's greater this morning. The religion, he's telling you. I was going to tell you something this morning. Or Satan. But if you are here, you are here this morning. And God is working in your conviction is a sign. He's working in your life. He's working in your life. That's powerful. Do you realize God's working in your life? 